Welcome, everybody. And today's podcast is Gail Riem, who's got a company called Moolah U, which just the name of it intrigues me um, and, and where it's going. Uh, we actually met Gail through Lori Kunin, who met through somebody else and they connected the world. This is the way the world works these days. And as we started talking more, we realized that we align in very many places. So first of all, welcome, Gail. Uh, thank you for taking the time to be on our podcast. My pleasure. And and let's just start with where did it come from? I mean, you know, kind of how did you create Moolah U and what's your desired outcome for, for that? Oh, wow. It's so, such a fun story, really. I I had, you know, I had a child and I was looking at her future and I was experiencing a lot of struggle with money, even at a very young age, uh, you know, asking me to buy her things and her not understanding what, you know, how that worked. How does her getting things happen? Uh, and I thought, well, she really wants, to, I want to help her understand money. And so I come from a family of people. My parents did a lot with us to try to give us experiences with money. So I thought, well, I'll give her a couple of bucks and we'll go to some garage sales and she can see if she wants to buy things. But she'd find things and people would be like, oh, you're just so cute. You can have it. And I'm <laughs> like, Listen, you're taking away the lesson. But actually a real good metaphor for how parents do things you know they make the decisions about whether kids get things or not and the kids don't get the experience of the actual uh, exchange of value and we'll get deeper into that but as I was looking at what she was needing to learn I realized that uh, understanding where money came from how it gets used was only going to happen through experience like the garage sale thing and so I started giving her uh, small amounts of money for very specific solutions, like her own wanting Barbie dolls was the thing. And I was like, well, here's how much money I have for Barbie dolls. Boom, you can have that money. And then you figure out how many Barbie dolls you want, which ones you want. They're all different prices. And she got really excited about that. And to have this autonomy and this agency at probably like six years old, being, you know, thinking through things, looking out into the world to see how she was going to get the things she wanted with this exchange of value money that she had. And from there, uh, she got really interested in doing uh, and be doing an investment club because I was in an investment club with my girlfriends and, um, and she was around that and she thought it was interesting. So I started a club at her school. And I knew nothing. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a financial person. I thought, well, I at least know more than they do. So I'm going to go in there and teach them what I know about Rule 72 and all these you know, adult ideas. And of course, they were just rolling around on the floor. They didn't care about that. And so I asked another Montessori teacher in the, in the school and she said, just go ask them what they want to know and then go explore and figure out how to you know, how to how to help them understand that. And that was the beginning of our entire methodology, which is extremely uh, Socratic, like asking questions that are, of them that make them think beyond what they already know and explore without giving them answers. And then really meeting people where they are. And I think across the board, especially with children, that's super important because their questions, when they ask them, we're not, how do I open a checking account? How do I earn money on interest? You know, they're 12 or whatever. Yeah, uh, they just want to know, like, why do we have money? Why isn't everything free? How does it, how, why is this $2 and that's $3? They look the same. Very basic, fundamental understanding of how value is created 
and assigned. And when we figured that out and I brought in some educational psychologists and learning specialists, and I wasn't as focused anymore on the money part, but just truly how do children learn complex concepts? How do they integrate them into their lives in a way that really empowers them? And along the way, we were doing some work with the kids in the clubs with having them earn money through a business project. Uh, and they loved that so much. They said, well, let's do a whole week. Let's do a camp. And I was like, oh, I don't know how to do that. And I pulled together all of my you know, friends and entrepreneurs and uh, Montessori, mostly teachers that were real you know, experiential. Mm-hmm. And we had a week-long business camp with these kids, the first one. And it was amazing what they learned. They learned how to solve problems. So typical education is very knowledge driven. You have this information now, you should be able to go make good choices. It's not true. You have to get on the court and practice. So when we provide education without any practice, it just it doesn't matter. And the studies have shown that across the board with financial education. Mm-hmm. Kids got it versus those that didn't have no discernible difference in their behavior. They don't know how to implement those those ideas, mm-hmm. those truths that they may have gotten as knowledge. So the camp became a real huge uh, project and it started back in 2004. And uh, by 2008, I think we were maybe doing 50 camps a summer just in Austin. It was a pretty, pretty big project and I had turned it into something worthy of, you know, my entire effort. Uh, and then the crash happened and my business uh sort of was falling apart at the end of that summer, but by the next, by December, my camp's registrations had tripled for the following year because everyone was worried about how to get their kids good with money. Uh, And we were featured in the Wall Street Journal on the front page, and then pretty soon everybody in the world wanted this. And so I uh, franchised it, franchised the camp program, and that went pretty well for a couple of years. And things kept changing as the market changed. And so we we shut that down. But what we realized, Rod, is that where kids really learn about money is at home. So we were doing these amazing things with kids. They were making a business. They had to pitch and get money and then use money to make money. I mean, they were learning all of those principles on the court, in real person, in real life. But then they went home into an environment where their parents really didn't know how to give them experiences where there was a lot of fear for parents, like, oh my God, don't give them money. They might screw it up. Uh, And, and, you know, or or else giving them too much money and not having any parameters or any learning opportunities with it. Uh, So we uh, put together some parent courses, which are still available online through our website that really helped parents understand how to put learning experiences in place, how to create some structure, how to create bumpers so that, you know, making horrible mistakes. Uh, and just the very essence of what we understand about how children learn is embedded in all of that. So that's where we've been. We've served thousands and thousands of families. And a lot of those kids are now in their 20s. And so I have the luxury of seeing how they turned out. Right. And not only are they great with money, they're really great at solving problems and making decisions and making choices. Uh, they're super conscious about their entire universe of that they get to create. And so money becomes the teaching tool for people to learn how to do a lot of things. And so we love the entrepreneurship experience for kids, but we're not expecting that they'll all go off and be entrepreneurs. But what they've gotten from that is they've learned how to solve problems. 
And we're heading into a world where the problems they're going to be solving are much more complex. And so that they got practice as young people is really important. And it's amazing that the younger they are, I mean, we, so many people feel like, well, they're not, they're not ready for this until they're teenagers, man, they're past it by the time they're teenagers. (laughs) And they can learn so much at a really young age. Uh, and you, you touched on one thing that just cracks me up is the difference. Once they start identifying the difference of my money, your money, and how, who's spending this. And, you know, uh, David York had a great story when he was, I think it was on our podcast, even, but one of the other things when he was talking to us about he and his daughter, they were going to Disneyland or something. And he gave them each so much money that they could spend. And she came up with something, Oh, I got him. I have this, you know, we pay for it. And he goes, well, no, you've got your $20, you know? Oh, and then never mind. He goes, wait a minute. It was, you really wanted it. And yeah, she goes, well, I want it, your money, but I don't want it, my money, right? Yeah. <laughs> and just just identifying that, you know, that now that it's my money and I have to, I only have a, I have a limited amount is is huge. So, you know, yeah. I, and I love the the whole way you're doing this in, in our vernacular, we talk about pre-inheritance experiences, which is exactly what you're talking about. We put them into a situation where they've got a little bit of money to do or whatever it is to do something with to learn from it, get positive and negative in, in, in a controlled environment. So it's not like it's going to break the bank if they blow it all. And it's not like, you know, it's, it's just, it gives them the opportunity though to make the decisions and have both the positive and negative consequences of those decisions. And learn all, Life is just practice. Everything right. we're doing is practice. That's why when you get older, you get, you're really smart because you've learned, you've practiced and made a lot of mistakes. And if you haven't made those mistakes, you're going to make them later and they're bigger. So that's one of the big critical issues for parenting and kids and money and and, and a very smaller level. So parents who don't give their kids any experience with money or let them make any mistakes. And there's a lot of fear around that. So a lot of parents are still, even as teenagers, taking care of all their kids' expenses. Um, those kids get out into the world with no practice. And that has gotten much worse over the last few generations because there's more wealth, there's more opportunity not to, you know, I mean, I had to have a job when I was a kid, you know, we, we just did. And we learned a lot more about money, you know, like, do I really want to buy that stuff with my money? The very, the, the Disney story thing. So what we're seeing is an increase in uh, people that can't make it through the month on their paychecks. It's gone up uh, 10% in the last 10 years. So we're at 53% of Americans who can't uh, make it through the month on their paycheck. So those that are have credit available to them are borrowing, which is increasing the debt, uh, uh, their debt, and that that category of, of people's debt. We're seeing uh, more and more wealth inequality because of that. And those that can't get uh, debt or credit to help them through the month are slipping through the cracks more often and needing social support, which is also shrinking. Uh, So it's a real, it's not a good situation. And it's relatively new. That extreme of it is relatively new and growing really fast. So where we really want to rest is in the space of getting everyone capable not that we want to have everyone be wealthy. I mean, why not? But what right. if people could maintain financial sustainability? What if they had financial capability that no matter how much money they had, they could figure out how to make it last and make it work and primarily off the top, save 10% and start using it to make more money. So one of my favorite quotes is from Warren Buffett. And it's like, if you don't know how to make money while you sleep, you're going to work until you die. 
<laughs> so one of our big initiatives is uh, having people save 10%. And we'll talk a little more about that when I get into talking how the app works. But saving that 10%, we've seen when children do it, they use it for little lemonade stands or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're building that muscle for, oh, you don't spend it all. You use something. Look, I made more. Now I can either spend that or I can reinvest it. And generally what we see is that they save it and reinvest it, or they save part of it for some larger purchase because they now know what it's going to take to get that bike or that computer game or that in my daughter's guitar, you know, like she kept asking me for a guitar. I'm like, well, I'm going to give you this much money per week and you figure out how fast you want that. And if you want it faster, you go make some more money on your own. And that just shifts their mindset uh, into what we all want is kids to learn to save. And we all know we need to save. But one, what what we think about it, there's a couple of things I love about the word save. I saved so much money because this was on sale. That's not saving. (laughs) (laughs) It's collapsed. Yeah. I've got this money set aside. And then there's this issue with that money is set aside. Is it saved to use for making more money? Or are you storing it until you can spend it? So we're really distinguishing a lot of things for young people, which are invisible Mm -hmm. and um, helping them see the value of each of those. You may want to go take all your money and spend it, but at least you know that you're not going to have it anymore. Whereas before you were just like, well, then somehow it's going to magically appear again. It always replenishes somehow and it doesn't always replenish somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just, you know, maybe the best, easiest way to do this is just, you know, you've talked to Lori, you've talked to me, you know, where do you see us aligning? I mean, as, as you think about the stuff that you're doing and the stuff that we're doing and the, and the people who have been through our training or, you know, use our resources and, and, and things like that, how do you see us aligning um, and working, you know, how does, how does all work together? Well, one of the things I really love about what you've done is you've really listened to your customer, your clients, the world of what are people dealing with out there? And they're dealing with this gap uh, inside their families about getting aligned on the family values and for uh, children to be able to identify their own personal values and how does the family operate with the money they've got now while they're young. Uh, So that's really where it happens because we know that's where it all starts, Right. right? You don't have an understanding of how money works and how your family's values work and what you're using your money for and how you're even choosing the money you use on to use for a vacation. If you're not aware of that as a child, you're it's and it's invisible. Uh, you can't figure out how you're going to operate yourself, and you're constantly bumping heads with your family about stuff. This is where the whining and the begging and the stuff from the kids' side comes from. Well, why can't I buy? Why won't you buy me this? Yeah, a really funny story I got to tell real quick. So I was speaking at a high wealth uh, program, and I was my part was to talk about parents. And I asked the audience, "What uh, you know, need, needs and wants, right? This right. is the when you have money, it's very difficult to tell your children. Well, we you you can't have that. We don't have enough money, so you're constantly getting bombarded. And uh, this gentleman stood up and said, "My son asked. I asked who. What is the last time your kids said they needed something?" And he said, my son told me he needed a new iWatch, a new iWatch. And I asked him, what did you you say? He said, I asked him what color he wanted. Yeah. So there's this helplessness to it that 
I think was where we align, which is let's give parents some tools to bring those together, the values you have and how you make decisions and teach children those those through experience, have them learn how those decisions get made and why. And bringing all of the background to that and having there be real passion and empathy and alignment within the family so that everybody's pulling for the same thing. That's where I think we align the most. And then in the other areas, it's the real uh, desire to truly make a difference for the next generation. You know, we're not going to be here. We're going to, we're going to, you know, there will be children way past when we're gone. What if they could actually change the world with the way that they handle their money, the way that they either give it, invest it, whatever they're doing with it, that actually increases the societal situation, you know, that everyone gets, it's not a zero sum game. Right. And we've really got to figure out how to do that. And that's where I know we align deeply. I think another place is ex- just the whole concept of experiential learning. I mean, it's, we go back over and over again about, you know, tell me and I forget, teach me and I learn, but involve me. And I, I mean, teach me and I remember, but involve me and I learn. And that whole concept of it's one thing to talk at them. It's another thing to talk with them. But it's a completely third thing to give them the opportunity to actually do it and and learn that way. So, yeah, it's I think that's a huge piece of this. Um, I love the family alignment, the the work you're doing and the opportunities you're giving people to step into this training is just brilliant. Uh, And I know it makes a huge difference because it's the thing I hear all the time from parents. They're really struggling how to get their kids good with money yeah and just engaged i mean you know they, they, and and you know and you can't blame it on the kids i mean you know if they sit there and then they go i want this and they get it why not ask again i mean it's working here you know this is a good thing uh, you know and and a lot of this um is not when you think about generationally there's a lot of adults who came into adulthood and didn't have a clue hmm. you know and so we as adults, a lot of times, don't know how to teach our kids because we weren't taught that way. Uh, and we have to unlearn a lot of stuff, or or relearn, or learn new ways to do it. And so we managed to be relatively successful. Generally, we most of most adults were less than whatever fifty three minus one hundred percent can make it through the month and have figured out how to do it. But there's no. Uh, it, it's also what the, what they learn. What we learn when we're adults learning that is not anything you can actually then go teach your children. Right. Because you learn it with the mind of a child. So this is the big differentiator I've found in this industry or in this in this concept is that we most of what was available, like even when I was looking for things to teach my daughter, it was dumbed down adult things. And when I was trying to use those to teach kids, it was just, they just didn't care. So when I spent the time to understand how do children learn complex concepts, mm-hmm. and we've done massive research in it, uh, it was a completely different uh, universe or a completely different model of how they learn. And of course, it involves experiences, but then even those experiences have to be childlike. They have to be right. in the mindset of whatever eight stage of learning they're in. And there's, you know, definite places where your mind works at a very young age, you're learning very existential stuff. And then as you grow older, you start to in, engage more with the, with the universe 
And mm-hmm. so those things become more tangible and tactical, but you can't start the tactical stuff with young children. Their minds aren't there yet. So we're really clear about that. And that's something parents don't know. And I didn't know. So mm-hmm. I've made that really simple to, uh, so parents don't have to do any teaching. We've just created the experiences that they can put their children in that will have them working at the right mindset, at the right pace that they're in. And, and part of that is we don't understand. I mean, as, as adults, a lot of us don't understand that when we were learning all this stuff. I mean, when you're you know pre-puberty, your mind is developing those neural pathways, That's and true. so every experience is developing pathways that are going to be there forever. Yeah. And you know, and you know, we normally think of it in terms of those pathways are already there, so we're got to work with what we got. <laughs> And so, yeah, the opportunity with kids is just unbelievable because they are developing new neural pathways and they're open. I mean, there's, you know, they are open to everything. And, you know, one of the things that I, that I emphasize, and I think this is somewhere that, that you're, we can align to is kids are watching us. And they don't miss much and they don't forget anything. I don't think, I I think, you know, and so it's not just about talking. It's about modeling. My favorite story for that, and you know, it's everything, every way that you talk about money, every response you give them when they beg there, that is what they're saying. Okay, mom, I begged her this way. It didn't work. I'm going to go beg dad. (laughs) My favorite story, my friend, Anastasia's little five-year-old, she said, well, I want to start teaching about money. I said, well, you're already teaching him. Tell me what the last thing happened with money. She said, well, we're at the checkout counter and and he's begging for candy and my husband and I fight over it. And my husband buys it for him. I'm like, oh, well, look what you taught him. <laughs> and, so, right. and he learned that. I mean, that's anchored in. <laughs> but what we do, and this is exactly what ha- how we operate, is we interrupt that, which is give the child the money that you would have spent on candy, which forces a couple of things. Forces parents to consider truly how much do they want to spend. So they're not just reacting. Right. To begging and say, well, and so they came up with three dollars and they gave Henry his three dollars and he put it in his little wallet and he sent me a picture. It was very cute. And the next time he went to the store and he had his three dollars, he was so excited he was going to get to buy his own candy. And he did. And literally in the car on the way home, he's doing the whole mental like, OK, wait a minute. How much is ice cream? Because next week I want to buy ice cream and I know I only get three dollars a week. Yeah. So a huge learning opportunity out of just moving the responsibility for making that decision to the person that's making whose decision it is. Right. And so as long as parents continue making the decisions for their children, that is exactly what they're modeling. And there's very little thought that goes into that. Generally parents make decisions based on, were you nice to your sister? Did you behave while you were in the store? Did you get good grades? Uh, And, you know, there's some stuff you can do to create rewards. I'm not saying never do that, but that if that's the only way they earn money, then then you're also teaching them that they don't even, they're not valuable enough unless they can do well in school. Well, then what does that do to the child that might not get straight A's? Right. So many lessons that get wrapped into that. So we advocate having a very clean experience of value for them to experience their own exchange of value. And uh, that if they want extra money, then we have a gig marketplace on our app. Like you can do extra tours. Yeah. Like 
even paying for chores is kind of weird. Like you live here, right? And uh, there's an app that actually pays kids to like brush their teeth. I'm like, who's going to pay you to brush your teeth when you're in college? You know, <laughs> you got to learn that stuff. It doesn't come with a reward. It comes with, this is how you live. Yeah. So a big separation between what we want children to learn as a source of, of behavior that is just independent of money and other, and then the the behaviors that we want them to experience with money have to do with how do they handle money. Right. How, You've how mentioned they... the app a couple of times. Let's talk about the app because we're going to run out of time here. <laughs> okay, but yes. I, I just kind of want to circle back to what we were talking about is how do we do that in families is the most important thing for creating this generational wealth and creating uh, generational sustainability of that wealth. Uh, so what we've done is we did the parent courses and they advocate all of these things I've been talking about is like giving the kids the opportunity to make their own decisions. And what we heard from parents who were taking the courses is, well, we need this in the palm of our hands. We need an app. We can't do these spreadsheets and all these. Because <laughs> we act, you know, there's a lot. Not yeah. it's Lot, but it's not anything they've done before. So in 2018, we embarked on building a technical product that could serve parents to do that. And uh, we came out into out of 2019 straight into to COVID and everything <laughs> kind of shifted around. But we ended up building it on as a web app because children don't often have devices, so it can't be a phone app. Right. And uh, it's an allowance. It's we call it revolutionizing the common allowance, which is. The an allowance is meant as an allo allocation of money that you would already spend on them, and then you say, "Well, now you're going to be responsible for making the decisions about that." And so inside the app, it transfers the money on a weekly basis, and the kids can it's in buckets, so they see what those budgets are, and uh, they can make their own decisions about using that money, and then they spend a lot less for sure. Uh, and then, but the most important part is 10% is off the top, goes straight into investing, no matter what money they get from grandma as a birthday present, anything just goes into investing. And then our entire entrepreneur camp model of, of business uh, startup and how to build a, a successful business, uh, even if it's just a one-time lemonade stand, that is in there. So they can go through that, use that investment money, which has to be released by their parents once they show them a proper business plan you know, kid version. Right. And, and then they make money. Now they can put that money in any bucket they want. They can use it to invest more, but it changes their that blueprint, that mindset from scarcity, like how am I going to get more money so I can have all these things I want, to abundance. Mm -hmm. And then they have power. The money actually has value and power of its own. And they change the way they react to it. So the app is currently out in MVP. We're finishing beta testing. We're about to link it to a payment card, which will allow for kids to actually use that money on their own. Oh, cool. Gonna, yeah. A lot of autonomy with a lot of bumpers, a lot of safety nets, uh, and they can grow into that. So by the time they are in high school, they're already understanding like, whoa, okay, money's limited or whatever it is. And I'm going to have to pay rent when I get in college and, how am I going to budget for those things? It's already in their mind to think that way. So we really like starting with kids pretty young, six, seven years old. Uh, and we've got stories from parents, another, a Disney story. So, you know, of this little girl who had her money and spent it all. And then next time she was saving for Legoland and she decided, well, I don't even want to go to Legoland. I want to use that money for something more permanent. So she bought herself a bike. Okay. I mean, 
at seven years old, you know, right. it's a, it really does produce results. So we're very proud of that. Uh, we're getting ready to make it available through uh, financial wellness programs in the HR industry, as well as we're talking to Fidelity about putting it on their platform okay. because, you know, they see the definite problem of parents not preparing their kids because now those parents are paying for their adult children and those assets under management are diminishing at Fidelity. So they have a real interest in, in helping parents and, and it's altruistic all the way around. You know, and it's amazing. You know, we think about even, you know, my generation. Okay. We didn't even start talking about budgeting and stuff until you got to the point where you had to start paying rent, you know, and then it was a big deal in the school district that I, that I was in when they started requiring you to take a basic finance, you know, how to balance a checkbook before you graduate from high school. And then, you know, but you talk to people, I well, we just had uh, Ella Chase on and she was talking about how she, um, or in an expanded practice call, how she learned how to balance checkbook when she's eight. And she just thought that was normal. You know, part of this is normalizing it. I mean, if we start early enough, it's just normal. That's just what you do. And by the time they have to start making decisions about budgeting, they know how to make decisions about budgeting and, and you know, analyzing back and forth about how, where they want to spend their money because they, they've done it with candy. Exactly. And it's exact. It's about making it visible. So you want to make the parents have to make their decision making visible so kids can see what we were talking about earlier. You're modeling it for them. And if it's invisible, how did you decide how much money we were going to spend on vacation? Something as simple as including them in those kinds of big decisions right away. Um, and uh, and then having kids like I took my daughter on a trip to Costa Rica. She was younger, but I said, here's the budget. You make it last. And if there's anything left, you get to keep it. Oh, we were sleeping in hammocks on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just make sure there's money for tequila, you know? But it was just, it was just this extremely powerful experience because now she wasn't, she was on vacation. Of course we were, but she was responsible for making sure the vacation was fantastic and constantly considering how she was going to eke the money out. And, you know, she was thinking ahead on the exit taxes we had to pay and all those things. Anyway, yeah, it makes it visible. If you can bring visibility to what you're doing as parents by sharing those decision-making processes with the kids and then making them responsible for some of those decisions themselves and let them make mistakes, small ones, while they're young. And it's interesting. It's more of an issue for people who have more money than than not. And, and there was a great study that was done back when uh, about how kids uh, who come from wealthy families don't even know how to buy a car. Kids who come from non-wealthy families do because mom and dad were sitting over the dining room table saying, well, this is this much and this is this much. And they'd hear all of this. And then, they, you know, kids with wealthy families, dad would just come home with a new car. It, they just appear. <laughs> and yeah. so. Yeah, I watch story, you know. Yeah. It's like why not a color? A new color, uh, yeah. And and we we serve all people, and we see that the people that are most interested in this are the ones who are entrepreneurial or already dealing with their own money, uh, and and primarily their parents who aren't trying to outsource this. There's a large movement, so it's got to get taught in school. Well, what is the what is the school supply for learning about anything? I and mean, what is it about? If you want to learn about dissecting a frog you need a frog you know and if you need to learn about money you need money and school isn't going to put that in place right. they're going to get the teaching you know the knowledge part so it's got to happen at home so right. <laughs> anyway this was awesome i loved every bit of it and i I'm, i really want to be able to serve your community 
of <clears throat> financial planners and their clients in uh, having some tools and, and some some access to support in that area so that you know we can truly change the future and transform the next generations. And and it really is true. A lot of the things that we have now are designed for teenagers and up. You know, there's not a lot of stuff younger. Well, it's what's even worse is it's frictionless spending. So there's a whole wave of teen debit cards and it's basically just putting money on the card for your kids. And one of them even had an ad that said, Hey, this is really great because if your kids are at the mall and they run out of money, you can send them more. Right. <laughs> That's helpful. <laughs> Not trying to educate. They're trying to get transaction fees. Yeah. So yeah, FinTech has been helpful in many ways. There's some really cool projects and budgeting tools for parents and adults. And then this new wave of kid FinTech te- seems to be actually uh, making it worse. So right. we're committed to actually interrupting that. And we are. Yeah. Cool. So how do people learn more about you or how to get, get a hold of you? <laughs> Absolutely. Our website is moolahu.com and it's M-O-O-L-A-H, the letter U. So moolahu.com. And uh, our parent courses are available on there and uh, information about our our entrepreneur camps. I'm not sure where those are going to be at this year because of uh, we've gone virtual and if we'll stay virtual or if we'll do them live again. Right. <laughs> yeah, and you can sign up as anyone can to be on the wait list. And if you're interested, even finish uh, our beta testing with us. Okay. So on there, set your kids up with it, try it out. We want to hear your feedback. We want to make this a really powerful tool for parents. Yeah. And the more you heard from directly from the people who are doing it, it's one thing to be in theory and have a great idea. It's another thing to have people actually trying it and seeing what, what really worked uh, and yeah. getting that information. So that's great for, for both them and for you. So. Yeah. And I'm sure your, your listeners would be very discerning uh, customers <laughs> for us. And the nice thing about our community is everybody's sharing. I mean, this is a, it's a, a sharing community, um, it, it, which is really kind of odd when you think about normal people, you know, there, there's this mentality of, of scarcity and, um, and it's not just our community, but the heritage community is way that way, but there's others now, PPI and there's other communities that that's what they do. I mean, everybody in this thing is trying to help everybody else. Um, so yeah, you'll get input. <laughs> And it'll be honest input. That's, you know, that's good stuff. I can't wait. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, Rod, and I look forward to many more. Oh, thank you very much. And thank you for taking the time to do this. These these podcasts, more and more people are listening to these and they're learning a lot. And this is one that's outside the norm. I mean, this is what you're doing is there's not a lot of, it's not like there's 16 people out there doing this. What you're doing is is unique and it's really, really necessary and, and, and needed. So thank you for for taking the time to be here. It's my pleasure. It's my life's mission. So thank you for letting me share about it. Thank you. 